Hey guys, welcome to the Fox and Burger podcast, where we bring you closer to the Asian side of the furry fandom one episode at a time. I'm your co-host Fox. And I'm Burger. And in this episode, we're going back to Indonesia, this time with Chiros and Claude. Chiros, a rhinoceros, has been in the fandom since 2009 and started his videographer career in 2015. He is the current con chair for Pawai. Claude, a tiger, has been in the fandom since 2017 and started staffing for Pawai in 2018. We'll be asking our two tour guides questions about Pawai and about public perception of the furry fandom in Indonesia. So without further ado, let's give them a big awoo. Okay, first of all, uh, thank you so much, uh, Michael and Berger, for inviting me mm -hmm. and Cloud to the podcast. We were happy to be here. All right. Yeah, it is good to have you here both on the podcast. Let me try this real quick. Salamat dating di podcast kami. Good attempt. <laughs> good attempt. <laughs> you did it well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's so nice to hear from you guys. I know for Chiros, I don't think I've seen you ever since, what was it, um, back in LIFC 2019, though occasionally I see you on Discord. And then for Claude, I have not seen you since TFF 2020 before, you know, COVID. And so it's, it's really nice to hear from you guys again. So as always, let's start with the basics. Briefly tell us about your persona and how you joined the fandom. Right, so I'm... I'm a rhinoceros, uh, so I joined fandom since 2009. It's actually uh, that long. The different art years. I, I start in different art. Uh, I'm interested because mm -hmm. I'm looking at. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to find Digimon arts, mostly Digimon and Pokemon, and I think uh, how come there's a lot of uh, creatures that I never see before, and I feel like I want to join and create uh, the same thing. Uh, and that's the time when I started. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's it. <laughs> so as Michael said before, I am a tiger. And I am also a versatile and occasional photographer. So how did I join the fandom? That's a good question, actually. I guess I've been a fan of animals and just like animal cartoon in general since I was a kid. Watching cartoons like... Uh, like Lion King has always been part of me growing up. Mm. And then I saw like first for the first time around 2012 or 2013. But back then I thought to myself, it wasn't really my thing. It's like, oh, so these just like some people in an animal costume doing their own thing. But then I went to Indonesian Comic Con on 2017. And back then I saw first years for the first time. And immediately I was fell in love and hooked to the furries, basically. And since then, I did more research and eventually became one, I guess. So now I want to go into the next section of, for uh, section two of the podcast, Guest Spotlight. You mentioned conventions, Claude, and that's exactly what I want to get into because um, we brought you guys onto the to the pod to talk more about Pawai, which is actually a con that uh, I've never been to despite going to several cons in Asia. And so... I guess to kind of uh, give a little bit more background information, though, um, tell us more about your guys' role for Pawai. Like, what did you guys actually do? So I'm, I'm actually the, the chairman of the con and also the, the head of art. So I'm doing the arts for the con itself, the creations, the theme, 
some gimmicks and you know what what the chairman do usually just like uh you know telling the staff what to do and you know organizing some stuffs uh what about you cloud so i handle the programming at pawai i also manage social media as well as public relation so basically i um i create the schedule for the con i construct the events for pawai and i also create all the social media posts and all the emails. Okay, so my next question then here is, what was the uh, the impetus, uh, the motivation for starting Pawai? So Indonesia is a very, very huge country. Uh, we separate into islands. Uh, there's Sumatra, Java, uh, Kalimantan, uh, Sulawesi, and uh, each island have furries live there, uh, hmm. mainly in uh, Java Island. So I'm thinking if there's uh, if there's like an event uh, in one place where it could be a reason where people can uh, travel around to one place and and gather together, it will be a great idea, basically to to unite uh, all of us. Mm -hmm. If I can kind of cut in here, uh, this is actually kind of a question that we got on Twitter during our Twitter blitz. Uh, this comes from Lucent Cross, and he was actually kind of interested about the sort of like history of Hawaii. So could you guys kind of like maybe like walk us through exactly like how did you guys go from furry hangouts to like a full-blown con? Like we're, we're kind of interested in the history of that. Okay. So I remember it's 2017 where uh, there's actually three uh, local furs going to Furum in Malaysia. Actually, that's the first time when I'm, I'm not actually alone from Indonesia traveling to uh, another furry conventions. Uh, the time I remember, it's uh, Benji, me, and uh, Black. So after forum, we have a good time. And then when we arrive at, back at Jakarta, there's a, a yearly fur meet that held around uh, like last week in, in December. Uh, that, that time is like one of the largest fur meet that I've ever been to in, in my own country. That time we have like 30 people. And then uh, me, Benji, and Black like uh, kind of winks to each other. Like, I think we're ready to make our first con. So from there, Benji actually formed form a team from that time until, until now uh, that we, we manage, uh, manage a furcon. Can you remind me again, like it to kind of cut in, what, what year was that when you guys made that team? Did you say it was 2017? Yeah, it's the end of 2017. Gotcha. And our first con is on mid-2018. Right. It's around August. Mm -hmm. So we get like four months to for six months to prepare. <laughs> and I guess to kind of relate this back to Claude then, so Claude, when did you, um, like, how were you contacted then to be part of this team? Because I know that Chiros mentioned it was like what Chiros, Benji, and Black, and then I'm just kind of curious, like, Claude, how did you, like, when and how did you fit into this team? So basically, I joined the team around 2018, so I'm not, mm -hmm. like, on the first draft, I suppose. Mm -hmm. But... Back then, the team need more person to handle social media as well as um, the public relation. So they contacted me and basically I'm joined, I joined the team. That time I remember we have around uh, six to seven staffs. So mm -hmm. it grew from me, Benji and Black. And then uh, there's, there's another four people coming, which is Cloud is one of them. Hmm. So it seems like you have a pretty small team compared to other U.S. conventions and such. And we still are. Hmm, okay. Wow. 
So I know that both of you have been to several cons, and it's not just the ones that are here in East and Southeast Asia. You've also been to other conventions in the West, like the U.S. Most likely you have been learning from different conventions and how they're run. So in light of that, what makes Poai so special? What is, what's the one thing that sets it apart from other conventions? So actually, uh, yeah, we still have free convention that have the dealers then programmings, uh, the fursuit lounge where uh, change fursuit and then you can have a whole venue to fursuiting at. But what sets uh, our con different, I think, is uh, from the name itself, we actually make the name uh, Party Along. So we want everyone to, to actually come together and have a party. So, mm. so we kind of want Make Pauai to, to be sort of like festival. So we have the, the vibes, the, the party, the festival vibes. Uh, for example, in the first year, in 2018, we actually take the theme, uh, the traditional Indonesia local theme, where one of the programming, uh, the main show of the, the con itself is actually, we call it Prasmanan. So it's actually the ceremony where we eat, uh, we eat food, uh, some, something like a vegetable rice, uh, and everyone uh, around 40 minutes able to sit down together and then take the food and then eat and have fun talking to each other. In the second event, we have uh, the theme is actually street art, the urban jungle. Mm. So the, the, main, uh, the main attraction of the con itself uh, relating to the theme, we have two of them. One of them is the, uh, the glowing art gem. Uh, usually in free convention, you can draw in one huge paper, uh, like a paper roll or a huge whiteboard. You can actually put marks or draw on it. But this time you can actually draw in the wall, like the whole wall. We make a box around like two, two square meters where you can actually uh, make a graffiti or make a drawing. And then we shot the, all the drawings with UV light. So all the art is glowing because uh, it's the expression of the street art. And also we, we make the DJ party at the hotel rooftop. I think it's, it's, on, the, it's on the ninth floor of the hotel. So wow. when you're dancing, when you're having a rave party, in front of you is actually Jakarta skyline. And it's only for that theme because we're not going to have it on another next theme. Also, uh, we have uh, another, another plans for the third event, but it's coming. Yeah, because of the pandemic, so we kind of hold it, hold it at, uh, for now. Right. <laughs> so I think that's, uh, that's what, what separates uh, from other free conventions, I think. Yeah, I can't think of anything more fitting for an island party than a rooftop DJ and a traditional lunch. Speaking of rooftop hotel parties and such, tell us a bit more about the venue for Pauai 2019, which I believe was the Yellow Hotel Mangarai. Tell us what makes the venue so special, and why did you choose it for this convention? Okay, so we have we have the expected uh, attendee count, so we know... Uh, how, how big is the venue that we're going to pick for, for that year? I think we, we, we researched around 10 venues. Uh, we ended up found one of the most suitable for our budget. <laughs> that time is a <laughs> Yellow Hotel Mangarai, which is the three-star or two-star hotel and have the, the meeting room on the second floor. So we rent all the meeting room and it kind of fits the, the expected attendees count. Also, so, so it fits the budget and also because the theme is street, 
uh, and the hotel itself, uh, the theme is street art as well. So we kind of uh, uh, just need to add a little things uh, on the decoration and then uh, it just become the vibes, like uh, the connection between the, the con theme and the hotel itself. Wow. So it just kind of like worked out perfectly because like the hotel already had like a design that was, uh, as you mentioned, like street art. And that was the theme of the con. So I guess in terms of decorations, you guys really didn't have to do uh, too much work, I suppose. I, I think it's really cool. I kind of I kind of want to go back quickly to what you mentioned about like the Indonesian festival kind of thing, um, like the like the dinner, I guess you would call it. I, I really have not seen any other con that has done that. Um, I've seen cons that that do like dead dog parties, but that's not really something that's like part of the con itself. I think I think that's more like an after con or like maybe nighttime event that is usually optional. Uh, at least at least with the cons that I've been to. So to kind of have like a special dedicated time for either lunch or dinner. I'm assuming it was dinner, right? Like what was it, it a was dinner lunch. time event? Oh, okay, so it was a lunchtime event. I, I think I think that's really cool. And then everyone can <laughs> I don't know if you, this happens to you guys, then I guess after everyone eats lunch, then you guys can have like a like a nap time event or something like that. <laughs> I know it's I would get tired. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's one of the reason we can pull this off is because the small attendee rate. So we can actually mm. still able to uh, control, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. So like you had to do catering, obviously, like you have to hire like, you know, chefs or companies to do catering. But obviously with like a lower attendee count, then it would be easier to like manage how much food you have to order. And like, you know, how do you transport all that food to the venue and stuff like that? Yeah, true. Right. So back then... Uh, we we had less than a hundred attendees, so that event mm -hmm. was manageable. But mm -hmm. our attendees number grow uh, for a second year, so I don't think we, we are able to do that event again. But we will tr we will try to find another gimmick where it fits the theme to keep those experiences going. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay, yeah. Now, without going into too much detail, can you tell us more about in terms of organization? Like, how is Poai run? What's the division of labor like? Because I imagine that'd be a little bit tricky given the smaller team that's running this. So we split the division into three, three main divisions. The first is the administration, uh, like papers, permits, uh, even including the budgeting finance administration. The second is experience, where you have the programming, the art, and what, what, it, what this is going to feel like, what this is going to happen the where's the the maps right the the, the stage the dealers then who's the dealers uh, and blah 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 and and the third is it where uh the it team uh, develops a website and a system where you can mm. actually register uh, make a payment and then uh have the names to to put on the batch and everything uh, so that's the main that's the main division in in Poai, uh, three of them and we also have a team of volunteers to help us running the con. Right, that's a really important thing to mention. How many volunteers did you guys have, uh, what was it, back in 2019? Uh, in 2019, we have around four volunteers. In, in, in 2019, we have like two, very small. <laughs> the third one, before we uh, postponed the event, we actually planned to have uh, around 10 volunteers. Yeah, because the increase the number of the attendee on, on the third one, we increase the number of volunteers as well. I think that having that kind of like 
amount of volunteers, like definitely any, any kind of volunteers is really helpful to any con, especially seeing how, again, you guys have like limited resources. So I say good on you guys. Um, and I think that, uh, hopefully you guys will have more volunteers, like when, uh, COVID kind of like, uh, abets a little bit. That actually brings me to my next question, which is actually, this is actually from this, this question is coming from the same person as before Lucent Cross. Um, this is a good time to ask that question. I think, uh, given how COVID the COVID pandemic is still going on. Um, do you guys actually have any plans on hosting a virtual or online con? Because that seems to be kind of like a returning or a common theme for conventions nowadays. Yeah, actually, the, the whole staff have been discussed about it, but hmm. uh, we we haven't planned anything yet. But I remember in in the end of two thousand and twenty, because we postponed the event, we actually right. make we made the a campaign to keep the hype going up. That time we have a we create a jingle. Uh, it's called <laughs> "Sleep It Away" on YouTube, right? Mm -hmm. And then uh, so everyone can actually draw having the their sauna or original character drawn in a transparent background, and then we compile all of them into one one huge crowd uh, that will appear on our music video. Yeah, it's basically like a big art collaboration. It was really fun. I've got one last question here about Pauai, um, and then I'll be ready to move on to our next section. And it's a little bit more of a personal question. So what was one memorable or favorite experience that you guys had at Pauai? Oh, <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, I'll go first. So, um, of course, it's going to be the closing ceremony. <laughs> because, did, like, you, did you cry? Uh, did you cry? <laughs> no, the first... Uh, <laughs> I think the first year and the second year we, we cried a lot. I think Cloud mm -hmm. also cry cry like crazy as, as well. <laughs> I cried. For, for I me, cried. <laughs> for me, it's like uh, we successfully pulled the first con. Right. Uh, I remember it's like every everyone in the venue is like shouting, "Pawai, Pawai!" like that, and it's like the oh, yeah. the moment that that touched my my heart, and I'm sure the staff as well, and it's like. Whenever I go to uh, any furry conventions, like I never cried that like long and like loud that I, I don't want to show my face to anyone. <laughs> I think I think Cloud also have the his own experience. I mean, yeah. To be honest, I kind of agree with you. Like the closing ceremony is one of the most heart touching moment, especially since we felt that all of our hard work just finally pays off. Seeing you know we've made this like our attendees happy and we bring all the the furries all over indonesia together it just brings a certain joy to like our hearts um right. it's just an, a really nice indescribable feeling to like know that this is like the epiphany of your hard work and all of the things that you sacrificed as Shira said um <laughs> it was like our blood sweat and tears but yeah yeah, yeah i kind of agree on that it was something that hold a special place in my heart and you, and you guys definitely have the right to be um proud i think like you guys started a con from scratch and you guys are a fairly young con um i mean overall in asia i found that the cons tend to be on the younger side and i think that for example infinity i think they started in 2015 if i'm not mistaken um but that's not far off from you guys and so uh, I think Jmoff like was also kind of similar. Oh, and and then for example, Furry JOA, I think their first con was 2019. It was either 2019 or 2020. 
again, you know, more power to you guys. Me and Burger support you guys all the way. And uh, I guess we'll be on the lookout for if there's going to be uh, any more news about Pawai. So thank you so much. Thank you. That's a good segue into our next uh, section here. Um, we kind of want to talk more about how furries are perceived in Indonesia. Um, that that's going to be our sort of comparison contrasting uh, section of, of the episode. So my first question here is just that. Um, how does the general public view furries? For example, do they think it's like an extension of anime? Do they think it's cosplay? Or do they think it's like something else entirely? So I think uh, how public see furries in, in Indonesia is pretty much similar to, to cosplays. Uh, mm -hmm. They saw it as like a pop culture where you can be this cartoon character or they, they kind of don't care if this character is like uh, your own creations. Uh, because when they saw us in, in fursuit, they just call, uh, hey, Mickey Mouse, look at that's Mickey Mouse, you know, like that. <laughs> so, so I, I don't think they, they kind of care if like we create it ourselves or not. But if there's uh, people that into pop culture will see us uh, pretty unique because we kind of create uh, the person or the character ourselves, you know, like the design they never see before in cartoons or the show they're watching. What, what about you, Cloud? So I kind of agree with you, like, um, especially in, in Indonesia, furry is not something that you see every day, even in other parts of the world, I guess. But I believe so far, the public reception of furry has been positive. I had many experience going uh, public sitting in Indonesia, and so far mm -hmm. it has been a lot of fun. Wow. Uh, and so far, like the, the uh, people view us as mascots or as, uh, as a cosplay. There's also uh, one time where people uh, someone thinks that we are actually asking for donation, and so they actually gave us money. So that was kind of funny. They thought you were yeah, a, a what again? As they they asked. Uh, they they thought we are asking for donation, basically. Oh. <laughs> True. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So that's so, kind so, of funny. Like, I don't know, like wild, like wildlife preserve or something like that. Not really, because so here's the thing: in, in Indonesia, um, there are usually. Uh, I wouldn't say like street artists, like they put on like costume or if, if you ever seen uh, something as the living stage community or the silver human community. Yeah. So, so basically they perform on the street and people give them money. So it's more like a street artist. So yeah, basically, usually, um, usually uh, you can see the, like Doraemon's or Marsha and right. Bear or uh, some, I think like Donald Duck and Mickey Mouse also, <laughs> also, also there in the streets. So they're working as a, like a dancing or some people playing guitar to actually ask people to give them money for, for donations or, or it's just their, their job. <laughs> Sounds like I found a job opportunity over there. <laughs> <laughs> Continuing the topic of public fursuiting. I have some personal experience with this myself, but basically it gets really hot and humid and sometimes difficult to fursuit in just jungle weather. It is. Whether that's Indonesia, Thailand, etc. But what I want to know is, have any of you ever run into trouble with like the local authorities, with bystanders? Can you tell me about difficulties with that? 
Okay. <laughs> yes, we actually I have personal experience. So I first did it at the National Monument in 2019, but that was during the election season, and during that time, uh, face covering was prohibited in public places. Hmm. Uh, so basically, I put on my first suit, take a couple of pictures, and then a security guy came in and basically told us to not fursuit. So I had to take off my fursuit hat and yeah, just cancel the Photoshop session there. I remember that uh, you need to change your own fursuit in, in, in like a train station, right? That was a different event. So basically, so we fursuited at a, in, in a car-free day. And when we tried to go in a mall, to desuit and into our regular clothes, the security guy won't allow us into the mall, so we have to desuit and change in the station's bathroom, basically. So that was pretty fun. It was definitely an experience. So uh, one thing that I learned from my first sitting in Indonesia is you definitely have to get a plan B because most likely you will run into an authority figure and you have to find another alternative to to continue pursuing true and to add it up uh, it's a must to have a, a handler for example security will came and ask like where you guys come from and then uh, if there's the handler handler also able to become the PIC uh, his job is uh, the one to explain like where are we from and uh, I'm going to responsible because you cannot see their faces, so I, I'll control them. You know, all all fault is on me, <laughs> like that. Uh, when when you become the PIC or the handler, it's a must because the handler needs to find uh, like a convenience place to change the fursuit and you know, like like Cloud say, uh, have to come up with a lot of plans like Plan B or Plan C. For example, like this place not allow uh, or too crowded, and then you move to place B. Uh, usually, in in some places, uh, we're we're not even allowed to take take a photo for even for our Instagram. Uh, mm. We cannot do that. We need to pay some uh, some money. Uh, I remember it, it, it's it's even a mall. In the center of the mall, you have like a huge park. You cannot even take any photos there. I don't know why, but at some places we can actually pull the. It's better to say sorry than permission, you know? We can mm. just like, uh, we plan, okay, we have a 15 minutes time frame. Uh, we just uh, wear a suit, take photo, and then we just run. <laughs> we, we actually do so, a lot of that. <laughs> so just take a picture before, before security came. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you, mentioned, you mentioned that you may have to like pay some money. I'm assuming that you're paying like whatever police or security guard in that area. Is that right? True. Yes. Like, like they might be observed, like it's their station or it's their like area of responsibility. And, you know, like you may have to pay them. And I actually kind of want to ask a question um, because this actually popped up during the Thai Tales interview we had with uh, Aldrin Kiyochi. And they mentioned that when they were fursuiting in Thailand, sometimes they kind of have to like, you know, to kind of use a little bit of a touchy word, like bribe the security guard or police officer. Like, is that kind of what you're seeing here? Or like, like, is it like a quote unquote bribe, like, you know, to give them money and they uh, don't say anything or like, like what, like what's going on there? Right. Okay. So I would uh, say so. <laughs> yeah, true. Well, I, I think I have one experience where uh, actually the security guard uh, want me to format the camera. So I, I think that's the, that's the right time uh, that you actually bribing them. 
like maybe give oh. like around 10, 10 bucks, like here's 10 bucks for you, but I, I, can I keep the footage and it will stop, you know? So, right, right. Yeah, it, it ever happened to, to me during, uh, during the, the first photo shoot before. So this is like all this is kind of like indirectly answering one of the questions I have, but I do want to ask that questions. Like I know that yeah. at least in my mind and again, uh, part of me for, I guess, being ignorant, <laughs> but I usually view that Indonesia is like a fairly conservative country. It's also a really religious country. But then I know that furry is, is this kind of phenomena that comes from the West. And so. I would imagine that sometimes there would be this sort of culture class, like, like, do I follow furry culture or do I follow like my native local culture? And it's just, I guess, like, my question is like, does that conservative mindset, does that ever like affect how furries behave in Indonesia, um, whether that be affecting the furry themselves or does that affect like public perception of the furry? I'm, I'm kind of curious what you guys have to say about that. And I know it's like a really big like question, but like to your best ability, I, I'm just kind of curious, like, what you guys think about okay. that? Uh, don't worry. <laughs> so I think uh, we kind of lucky that the the national television did uh, show us uh, Nickelodeon or Cartoon Network. So All right. uh, our childhood, we have uh, we did watch Digimon. We have uh, like Cat Dog or Tom and Jerry. We we have that. Wow. So at least the like the public uh, they already see it on TV before. Uh, the creatures, mm -hmm. the cartoons, and and the pop cultures, so I think without those, they will looking at us at very uh, very very weird. So because because they have they know what's Mickey Mouse, they know what's uh, what's Disney and and those cartoons, those, those pop cultures. We can actually tell them that we are hey yeah we we are cartoons, we are cartoon characters, <laughs> we like them. You know, <laughs> I admit that uh, I did get this like because uh, because I was. Uh, I, I'm a bachelor uh, degree, you know, mm. and my family doesn't really like me when I'm wearing my fursuit because they, they see me as like a clown, you know. So <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure like a lot of uh, parents or people see us like a clown, like like we mentioned before, the, the street performer who beg for the money. So, yeah, it's up and down. So at least they know it's a cartoon. It's a pop culture. But at some point... Uh, they saw us like a super childish one, hmm. but uh, but we're not. <laughs> what do you think, Cloud? Hmm. Yeah, I guess for me, it's the difference between public perception and family perception, as you mentioned. Like, for me personally, public perception has been positive, but family perception is a bit on the other side. As as Chiros mentioned before, my dad mostly they um he sees like being a furry as a face. So he's, he didn't really approve of me like dressing up as an animal because he didn't see it as being professional or being mature, I guess. Oh. But yeah, personally for me, it doesn't really bother me. For me, it's about doing what I love and what I enjoy. Yeah, because they uh, they doesn't know the, the, the furries, right? I mean, uh, it's, 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 it's actually more in a pop culture. You can actually uh, have a lot more friends when you have like-minded peoples. So it's not really the first thing that and, and and parents says that you look like a clown. It's it's not really that that bothers me. Uh, we can think that we have friends. The the world is much bigger than than clowns, you know. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And also, I just want to add that being a furry definitely helps a lot for me, especially since I moved from Indonesia to the United States 
in 2018. And being a furry definitely helps me during my adjustment time, uh, during the transition time, because being a furry from Indonesia and in the United States is very similar. It's, it's more about how close or how similar we are, we are from each other rather, rather than how different, because being a furry is part of me and it definitely helps me in many ways. And it's kind of interesting because I think that I think that like even if you were to kind of look at at the fandom from a financial quote unquote professional sense, like you actually do see people who have benefited from the fandom in terms of uh, finances because you have people who are either fursuit makers, you have people who are artists. Um, I know we interviewed Daza earlier um, on the pod, and 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 I know that uh, he's a very successful uh, fursuit maker. Um, there are a lot of artists out there. Um, you can probably make a lot of money on 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 these kinds of things. Fursuits in the states can maybe go up into like the several thousand. Um, you being being a furry on YouTube is also a thing. Uh, I think we saw that with like Majira. I'm I'm kind of happy to hear though that it wasn't like at least at least against my expectations that there was a sense there is a sense of like openness I guess for the like Indonesian public perception. I, I, I is 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 what I would say. True, true. But now let's talk about Indonesia as a whole. So Indonesia is one of the largest archipelago island countries ever. Basically, 270 million people live along tens of thousands of islands, 150 million people alone on Java Island, which probably makes it the largest, most populated island on Earth. But it's not just Java Island. It's not just Jakarta. Furries exist all over many different islands of Indonesia. So how do you all get together, basically? How likely are furries to travel between islands for in-person meetups, for example? Uh, it's actually back to back to Pauai, right? So the reason when, uh, why we create Pauai is because to, to unite them, actually. And yes, as you mentioned before, um, the population of Indonesia is mostly centered in Java Island. And it's the same case as um, furries, um, basically. Most furry lives in Java, but are also furries living in different islands. Mm -hmm. But from my experience, it's very unlikely for furries to travel um, between islands. For example, Daja, uh, he lives in Borneo, and I've traveled to Borneo to meet him, basically. And he's also been to Jakarta to meet, to, to meet like the Jakarta furries. So, I think it's very likely for, for, for them to, tra to travel between these islands. And also, when power happened, as Chios mentioned, there are many furries from all across part of Indonesia that came to Pauai. So, I think that's what really brings us together. I, I think Berger asked a really good question about, you know, basically, Berger is asking, what is the effect of geography on um, furry culture? It's not something that a lot of us will really think about, uh, or at least for in the States. Um, as, well, Claude, you live in the States, so you kind of know that the States is also a fairly huge country. And so it's kind of rare for someone on the West Coast to just go to East Coast cons. Um, they have to kind of plan in advance. They have to, you know, save up some money. Um, I mean, if you live next to MFF, then yeah, you, you could probably commute. But, you know, not everyone has that kind of luxury. And so I like how you guys, you know, to go back to what Shiro said, I like how you guys mentioned that you know, one of the reasons that you started Pauai, if, if, if not the, the main reason is to kind of like unite 
the Indonesian furries because otherwise people would kind of be relegated to just staying in their home islands. You know, like I, I guess like there's something to kind of look forward to and you can kind of meet up with other furs. Like I'm pretty sure they have local hangouts, but it's also nice to have like the one national, if you want to call that, like the one national hangout. Right. For example, it's like uh, we, the other way around. So for example, uh, as a Jakarta people, we travel to Yogyakarta. Usually uh, there's a group uh, of furries in Yogyakarta actually willing to create a party just to greet us. You know? Wow. Mm-hmm. It, it happens. So uh, whatever there, there's a, the furries from Yogyakarta, we also make a party in Jakarta as well. So it happens. <laughs> but I guess there's a geography effect somehow, especially for furries who live um, outside of Java. I know that most furries who live outside of Java, they mostly interact with other furries through online medias, such as Telegram, Discord, or whatever. And which makes um, it even more special when we, we came there or when they came here, as in uh, Java Island, because they don't meet other furries like that often. So I guess having a party to greet them, it's, uh, it's a good way to basically welcome them. Yeah, thanks. Thank you guys so much for giving us so much information in this in this episode, um, especially to a place I've, I've, I've never been before. So I'm really jealous that uh, Burger got, got to go to Indonesia and I and I haven't um, to kind of like wrap up the episode as we are nearing towards the end. Uh, I do want to go back to uh, Pauai. Um, and again, congratulations so much for uh, for all the hard work and, and the successes you guys had. Um, in, in hosting Pauai in 2018 and 2019, it, assuming we live in a world where there wasn't this pandemic, where there wasn't COVID, where would you see Pauai in, let's say, like three years, like whether that be like a venue change or whether that be like a programming thing, like where or what would you see Pauai in three years? It's a good question. Oh, my God. So I think um, we're still kind of not sure, actually, but uh, maybe let's hope the, the pandemic fading away really mm-hmm. fast. So we can actually back to do our third event and then maybe plan for the fourth or fifth. I don't know. <laughs> so, but, but maybe, maybe let's not talk about, uh, not only Hawaii, uh, maybe more focus to the community because I'm yeah. pretty sure that in, in, in like few years, uh, Pauai is not the only event in, in Indonesia because, uh, the community also grows from like from now to like next three or, or five years. Like uh, for for the information, uh, we have one Facebook group where everyone unites there. Everyone is like uh, registered there. We have like around exactly 922 members on the on the group. So, like a single con wouldn't wouldn't do the justice. So mm-hmm. I think I'm pretty sure there, there will be another free convention like uh, maybe outside Java, right? Or or maybe maybe a market event probably. And even like uh, the community, like like the the young becoming adults, and and so on, and then uh, we can see the Indonesian first becoming more familiar in front of foreign furries, you know, like oh you're the furry from Indonesia, oh yeah I know you, you know like that. So that's that's my take. Uh, what about you, Cloud? So I I agree with Chiros that our number our number grew every year. And I personally think it's a really good thing. I want to see this community grow um, every year. And uh, at the moment, the majority of furries in Indonesia are students with the median age around 19 to 20, which are fairly young. 
which means that most ferries in Indonesia are not at the mo- at the moment are not very financially stable. Hmm. But hopefully, as times goes and uh, we matured and we became more financially um, stable, I hope that more ferries from Indonesia can travel to other cons all over the world, and also uh, ferries overseas can travel to Indonesia. So I hope hmm. that in the next three or five years, um, the borders will will shrunk, and we will see more and more uh, uh, from each other. Claude Churros, thank you once again for joining us today. It was a pleasure to hear from both of you. We learned a lot today. We learned about party festival vibes, traditional Indonesian themes, DJ rooftop parties. We learned about several islands coming together, uniting in the name of furry. We learned about paying off the local authorities for some Instagram photos, hashtag Fursuit Friday, and of course, crying at the end of a very successful convention. But before we go, can you give us your social media credentials? How do you want people to find you on the internet? Right. Uh, for YouTube, if you want to see my films, uh, just go to YouTube and and find uh, C- White, C-H-I-R-R-O-S-W-H-I-T-E. Uh, I did draw as well. Uh, it's a Kit Rhino Boy at Twitter. I guess that's it. <laughs> that's uh, my, my two public uh, social media. So you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. My username is at L-E-T-I-G-R-E underscore C. And yeah, also check out Powai on social media, powai.id on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And also Powai website, powai.id. Once again, thank you so much for coming to this podcast. This has been the Fox and Burger podcast with Burger and I'm Fox. And we will see you again next episode. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.